The Right Hook Podcast. With the Mitsubishi Commercial Range, Pajero Executive, Pajero Commercial, Outlander Business and new L200. All with a leading five-year commercial warranty. MitsubishiMotors.ie Welcome back to The Right Hook with me, Simon Delaney. And I'm delighted to be joined by the lovely Philip Malloy for a weekly dander through movies and television. Philip, how are you? And I'm equally delighted, Simon. Oh, stop it. It's <laughs> mutual we're, we're, all, we're, we're all delighted around here tonight. <laughs> it's the Mutual Admiration Society. Mm. Um, what have we got this week? Um, just before we came on the year, you, uh, one of the stars of Conjuring 2, was telling me uh, a story about how that was your actually, actually your first horror film ever, was it? First time I watched a horror film, yeah. Ever in my life. And in fact, when I got... How could you get to this stage of your life? A Very man, easily. A man of 74. <laughs> <laughs> How could you get to this stage well, of your life without ever seeing a horror film? It was, ju- well, it was just one of those genres that... You see, I'm a wuss. An absolute wuss, you know. And it was one of those genres that just didn't interest me. George Hook is like that as well. Well, he's you a, see. He's wuss too. We're so alike in so many ways. <laughs> and in fact, when I got cast in the movie, my wife said to me, look, you're going to have to watch the first one just to see how the director works. And and I thought, all right, I'll be a professional. I'll be, I'll do my homework. And I sat down and watched, I'd say eight minutes of the first one. You couldn't stick it. No, no, no. Couldn't watch it. Right. Anyway. Okay, so go ahead. Let's go. Um, who's, am I interviewing you or you interviewing me? Well, well let's do both. both what, yeah. what have we got this week? We're starting well, the with. Main, the, the main release is a film called um, uh, Suicide Squad. And I'd say, I'd describe it as a, a colourful and sometimes manic anti-hero movie built around the DC comic characters of the same name. So mm-hmm. that's, that, that's basically it. And, uh, and what it's about is, is this, um, this American government official, she's played by a um, ruthless woman, she's played by uh, Viola Davis uh, in the film. And what she does is she, she enlists a, this collection of <coughs> dangerous convicts to execute what are called black ops missions. Um, uh, in return for clemency or reduction in their prison sentences. So that's what, so it's this group of, of, of absolute sort of wild and mad eccentrics that she brings together uh, to carry out these missions. Now this is expected to be the summer blockbuster, isn't well, it? Well, that's the, that, that, that it's, it's actually, it's a Warner Bros film and it's, yes, it's expected to do well uh, this summer. Again, as you know, what's happening is um, uh, Marvel Comics have linked up with Disney and uh, so they're doing mm-hmm. all the Marvel superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, then, we have Warner Brothers who have linked up with DC Comics. DC Comics <laughs> is Batman, Batman <laughs> and, oh, and Superman and all those. Mm-hmm. So you have these two going against each other. Have you seen it yet? I've seen it. Well? Well, I, I, it's a bit long, I have to say, uh, but uh, I, the kind of narrative is very, very strong. Good sort of strong narrative. I won't give too much away. When you say uh, too long, how long are we held under? Oh, it's over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a watch, isn't it? And yeah, I, I, I always think uh, that any movie that goes, say, beyond an hour and three quarters, um, better have it together, better yeah. have its S together, like, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And uh, this is, this, the, one of the interesting things about it is that some of the characters are stronger and get more screen time and, in, ca- in fact, more comedy time mm-hmm. uh, than the others. Uh, Will Smith is in it. And uh, there's a, a, a lovely Astro, uh, Jared Leto, um, Jared mm-hmm. Leto won the Oscar there a year or two ago. Um, he's in it <coughs> and he plays, uh, he plays the Joker in it. And there's an, a, a lovely Australian actress called Margot Robbie, do you know her? No, I don't. 
She, you, you didn't see, uh, you didn't see the Tarzan movie recently. No. Well, she played Jane, and she was much more vivid. She was much more interesting character <laughs> than Tarzan, I have to say. Uh, so she's in it, and so it's worth a look. The Wolf of Wall Street. That's her. There you see. There you, that's ah. her. She was great in that. She was great in that. I mean, it was an extended cameo, really, but she was great in it. And they're expecting then something to follow on from this, are they? From well, they're, they're, expect, they're expecting to follow on from it. This is part of in what they call... In terms of spin-off. Yeah, this is what... First of all, this, this is what they call a DC Comics universe. <laughs> and they have nine, eleven, sorry, other films um, in this sequence lined up. And at the same time, then, they're thinking about um, uh, Margot Robbie. She plays this woman called Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about her uh, as a spin-off character in her own right. So we'll see where it goes. So Margot Robbie could could be back on her screens as Harley Quinn. I, I, actually, I'd have her back every week if, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if possible. Now go easy. Now go possible. easy. Um, so. What's up next? We you had a query from a listener recently about Jack yes. Reacher. Yes, we had a query from a woman called uh, Sarah Kennedy. And she described herself, um, I, I think this was in response to George Hook, she described herself as an unashamed Tom Cruise fan. Right. And uh, as I say, she reminds us that uh, we, we were to check when Jack Reacher, the second of the Jack Reacher films, Never Go Back, is, was due out. And the answer to her question is, is due out on 21st of October. And it has Reacher um, basically returning to his old army unit and finding that he has, that in his absence, that he has been accused of a 16-year-old homicide. So uh, that's it. I Question answered. Yes. Do you know any of those? Do you, know, do you read any I, of those books? No, I didn't. Uh, no. Good, bad, different? Well, yeah, they're okay. I mean, they're not great literature. I mean, I, I read a lot of uh, crime stuff. Mm. I, I love James Lee Burke and James Elroy and people mm. like that. Uh, but um, but they're, they're, they vary in quality. Right. Uh, so, uh, and how was the first Jack Reacher? The first, I you see, okay, this is a, an ongoing uh, conversation <laughs> with Hook. Right, okay. Um, he, okay, the character in the book mm-hmm. is supposed to be f- six foot five, six foot five, and he's about three, <laughs> 300 pounds in weight, you see. I love show he's business. A, he's, he's a big guy. So he did and, me out of a job, basically. Um, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and what they did is they cast Tom Cruise, who's six, uh, five foot seven. Yeah. And, uh, and about 100 pounds. And about 100 pounds. But the interesting thing about it was, I thought he was convincing enough. I thought he, he had a, he had the, he was burly enough. Um, you know, he was he was striking enough. He was convincing enough um, as a, you know, as a, a fighting sort of superhero. But he could never, do you think he could ever reach the pinnacle in terms of, he's never ever been spoken about in terms of the Bond kind of role, has he? No, no, he hasn't. He's nowhere near that, No, no. Although, now, I saw Matt Damon this week um, in Jason Bourne. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually think I actually think he's better um, than Daniel Craig. I think he may, he's, a, he's a much more convincing uh, Bond. On um, the Bourne type. thing, Philip, I, I read a couple of reviews this week, and people are, are you know nodding, mm. tipping their hat to yeah. Paul Greengrass and saying the you know, the action sequences are fantastic, yeah. and the, but the actual part of Jason Bourne himself seems to have dwindled. He's less screen time. He's less dialogue. Yeah. Well, actually, he 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 did a Steve McQueen there. McQueen used to always ask for less dialogue, yeah. and uh, he wanted less dialogue in this. I think he really? has twenty four lines or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, in and, the entire and, and, movie. And you, yes, and you you would appreciate the idea of an actor asking for less <laughs> less lines, wouldn't you? Yes. Can I have less to say and less to do, please? <laughs> less to yeah. Say. But uh, he's he's very very convincing, and he okay he, again he's I read somewhere that he had um, what he was he he did I think he was uh, ten weeks uh, lifting weight weights for an hour and a half uh, every day, 
uh, and uh, well, he, that certainly worked. You know, he's convincing. Right. From the, 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 and the thing, the thing about those kind of guys is, even if okay, maybe five foot seven is a bit small, but <coughs> if you're up at five foot ten or five foot eleven, as that Matt Damon is, mm. and and you do build yourself up, mm-hmm. well, you can pretty much do it. You can convince people. You don't have to be six foot four. You don't yeah. have to be Sean Connery or whatever. You know? um, moving from the sublime to the ridiculous, Meryl mm. Streep is back. Meryl Streep is back. Meryl Streep is back. Isn't everybody in a sequel? <laughs> and she's she's back, as you say. Uh, she what she what she nominated for nineteen not an Oscar nineteen times, and she's won three times. Yeah, it hasn't gone well for her, has it? No, no. no. <laughs> and 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 she's playing opposite the the brilliant. I think she's brilliant, Emily Blunt. In uh, uh, well, it's a sequel to Mary Poppins. It's called Mary Poppins Returns. And it'll be now, well, sorry. When I heard about this, Philip, when I heard, I thought they were remaking it, but yeah. it's actually a sequel. No, it's a sequel. So yeah. the story picks up. The story the... picks up in Depression Time, London. Apparently, uh, that the writer of those books, he wrote seven books, so there's plenty of stuff around. Yeah. And what has happened is, is that the two kids from the original, yeah, what, what were they called? The two kids from the original, the Banks kids. That's right, from the original film. They've grown up. Right. And they've suffered a loss, so she comes back to help him out. And uh, she has a cousin. That's uh, Mary Poppins has a cousin called Topsy, and she's of course played, she does. And yes, and she's played by uh, Meryl well, Streep. Well, why is it why is it taking so long to get this done? I mean, how long is it since the, the original? Yeah, I well, I, I I don't know if you saw the um, uh, the, the Tom Hanks movie um, about uh, right. about banks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that that story was just basically it was Walt Disney's um, history of this project, Mr. Banks. Uh, yeah, and telling explaining how it took him uh, so long to get the rights. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, there may be the same sort of thing at play here. I don't know, uh, but um, anyway, they're going ahead with it. And uh, uh, as I say, all of those people are in it, and I'll go to anything to see Emily. I will, I will. So in your eyes, this is going to be a smash. I hope so. (laughs) Um, Speaking of um, reimaginings, Ben Hur. Oh, just stop. Uh, no, this is this, oh, this is, isn't good when you say stop. No, oh, no, dear. no, no. It, okay, for, it, okay. There's early audience tracking out in the United States, and it suggests that the reimagining of Ben Hur, which is due out in three weeks' time, uh, could be one of the big box office disasters of the summer. Oh, Their tracking indicates that the movie would be would would take uh, fourteen to fifteen million dollars in the first weekend of release, mm-hmm. and uh, that's on a movie that cost the budget of it was a hundred million. Oh dear. So. Someone is in deep doo doo here, you know. Um, you know, I've only become familiar recently with these sort of trackings and opening yeah. weekends, obviously with The Conjuring 2. And mm. I think The Conjuring 2's budget was 30 million or something. I think see, it, yeah, that's one of the great things. And I do. think it took 31 million in the opening weekend or 38 million. Ridiculous. I mean, it's over $320 million worldwide now. Yeah. So for a, on a budget of 100 million to take 14. No, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always been sort of conceded that if you if you take two and a half times your budget um, mm-hmm. with a movie, you're, you're doing really well. You're mm-hmm. starting to do well. But obviously, <laughs> tell us about the film itself. Who's who's well, behind it, it, or who's, it, who's it, it? One of the interesting things about it is that Roma Downey, uh, who's mm-hmm. I think from Derry, is she anyway? She's mm-hmm. Irish, and uh, she she she's the executive producer on it. She had a success with a film called Son of God, and yeah. she also did a mini series, uh, The Bible. And she does do these kind of faith-based, what are called faith-based projects. Mm. And this is another one. It's, it's obviously it's the Ben Hur story, which is mm-hmm. the story of this uh, Jewish nobleman um, who's accused of trying to kill uh, a, a Roman. 
and um, basically he's betrayed by his adopted brother and he's sent off to become and becomes a galley slave and mm. it's about him basically coming back but I gather in this version uh, they also have the, the story of Christ actually running sort of really? parallel to it so um, you, you get the two of them coming together but the early signals aren't good no no alright so moving on then to something close to my heart when I read the headline which is lame is obviously my background yeah. is music yeah. and theatre I love it and yeah. I read here that the BBC are due to make a six hour treatment yeah. of lame is but it's not a musical no adaptation. it's straight it's straight yeah Okay, who's behind this? And well, what Harvey Weinstein. Um, <clears throat> Never um, heard of him. Uh, yeah, he's a famous. Uh, he, he, he take my word for he it. He runs a dance hall in Longford. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a famous uh, Hollywood producer, and uh, he uh, he recently uh, he produced War and Peace on the BBC. I mm-hmm. liked War and Peace. That War and Peace thought it was really uh, worked very very well. And this it, what they're doing with this one is they're bringing the War and Peace um, uh, crowd back together again. And it's it's Victor Hugo's Le Miserable. It's a straight version um, of it. And uh, any word on casting yet? Is it no, no, no. But I'll ring someone and kind of sort of put it, put your name in. Yeah, tell them I'm free. Well, I'm not free. I'm reasonable. <laughs> and if we don't have to sing it, it's even better. But it's <laughs> it's again. It's what, what the BBC is trying to win back that. Um, a drama slot on a Sunday night mm. between nine and ten, mm. and they 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 did it fairly successfully with War and Peace, and they're trying to do the same with this. Very good. Okay. There's one number seven there on yeah. that list I've given you. Yeah. Uh, that you being a football person, that I thought you might be interested. Yes. In. Um, Pierce Brosnan. Mm. Okay. First of all, he's the head the cast of this thriller called Final Score. Right. Story takes place at a, a major sporting event when the stadium is seized by a group of heavily armed criminals demanding a ransom okay. and, Br- and Bronson is this guy with a military background who responds uh, to it but the, the interesting thing okay it starts to shoot on August 8th mm-hmm. and most of the filming will be pl- take place at Upton Park Football Club because of uh, course that's vacant now isn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah. absolutely uh, so as you know that's the home of West Ham who are moving to the Olympic Stadium they're moving to the, in East London mm-hmm. and so we have the situation where where place is vacant I presume and what they're doing is they're going to deliver the stadium up to a British property developer when they finish production Well what have you seen in the last few weeks Philip and you have rawhide down here Yes Never, what, never a fan of it Were you not? No Okay can we come to that why you weren't the fan okay. of it in a minute It's now uh, a therapy session Yeah, the, point, uh, yeah. W- One of the things is we about uh, two months ago we started this little that kind of slot of looking at old TV shows. Okay. And uh, it worked very, very well. So that's what we're doing here. Very good. Now, Rawhide, um, it's a series that ran for, I think, 217 episodes, ran for about seven years. And I suppose it's best known for discovering Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Clint Eastwood played this this ramrod, as they called them, Rowdy Yates. <laughs> and basically, uh, the, uh, the Rawhide was the story of, story of, of this, this group of... of drovers uh, bringing herds of cattle uh, from Texas up to the railhead in Kansas and then on to various eastern cities so that's that's the, how, how it worked and it was developed by a guy um, a western hand a guy who uh, really believed in western hand uh, westerns called Charles <coughs> Charles Marquis Warren what a name Warren yeah Charles Marquis Warren but he was a very talented guy and uh, what he did was I, I you do you remember Red River mm-hmm. okay he took the Red River idea which was um, again a cattle herd and the the, the, the the trail boss played by John Wayne and his kind of associate was Montgomery Cliff so you had that in 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 that uh, movie in this in Rawhide you had um, a character 
uh, called Will Favor, who was played by Eric Fleming. Mm-hmm. And you had, as I said, yeah, alongside him, then you had as his kind of second in command, you had Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that. It was very um, successful for its time. Um, all The whole time it was in black and white. Uh, but anyway, what happened was they were coming to, towards the end of it. I think they were in the sixth season. And um, Gil Favor, uh, Eric Fleming, he got a call from Italy from Sergio, Sergio Leone's, pe- mm-hmm. Leone's people saying that they wanted to do a, a movie called The Magnificent Stranger. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? The Magnificent Stranger, he turned it down. Charles Bronson turned it down. James Coburn turned it down. And they went back to uh, to Eric Fleming again and he turned it down once more. So um, uh, uh, Leone was looking at a film from, from at Rawhide and uh, he was looking at an episode called The Incident. They were all called The Incident, The Incident of the Black Sheep, mm-hmm. which was the 91st episode. And uh, all of a sudden he sees um, uh, Clint Eastwood and discovers the Eastwood and decides that Eastwood probably has more than Eric Fleming. So he offered the part to him and he did it for $15,000. Isn't that incredible? Here you go. Let's remind ourselves of Rawhide. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Streams are swollen, keep them doggies rolling, rawhide. Through rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather, wishing my girl was by my side. I do remember singing that song. Uh, I did the Blues Brothers, the musical. Oh. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, up in the Tivoli in the middle of Dublin, and uh, that was one of the numbers in the show. Ah. And it used to get some, the biggest reaction of the night, because yeah. everybody knows it. It's great. Everybody knows great. it. It was written by a guy called Dimitri Tiomkin, and Dimitri Tiomkin did oh, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, you know, from High Noon. Now, here's a question for you. Yeah. Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Yes. In what Irish movie did that appear? In a very memorable moment in an Irish movie. I... <laughs> And were you, were you involved in I it? wasn't in it, no. no. It's one of the few Irish movies that I haven't been involved in over the last 15 years. <laughs> so it, what was was it? it was in The Snapper. Oh, was it? That beautiful moment where Colin Meany's standing outside and he's just found out his daughter's pregnant. One oh, of the neighbours yes. walked yeah. by us and in a very Dublin act, you not <laughs> forsake me, oh my darling. They'd so say, oh, she's not getting married. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Here, take that nugget of knowledge with you, Philip, and okay. share it at many a dinner party over the weekend. Okay, and that was sung, that, that version of it was, <clears throat> well, the, the, that, I mean, it was the main version, mm. sung by Frankie Lane, who was who was called oh, yeah. Old Leather Lungs, apparently. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he, he had a huge hit with it, and it kind of, it went out all over the world. It, wasn't, it just didn't sort of stick to television. Um, it was a huge popular success. And, and are uh, you enjoying re-watching it? Hey, listen, I, I haven't just re-watched it. I've watched, I've watched, <laughs> all, se- I've watched all seven series. Ah, Philip. Yeah. You know there's a front door. <laughs> there there's, is. <laughs> and there's a big world out there. <laughs> well, anyway. anyway. Uh, I, on. One of the things I do is I collect old TV shows. Anyway. I know. I, I do be listening to you, Philip. I see. I see. Thanks, um, the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah, I, I just thought I'd put that in there because just to tell people there's more going on than mm-hmm. fantasy stuff and uh, superhero <laughs> movies. Okay. Well, there's one in here that hugely excites me. Okay, that I, that take I did, it out. That yeah. I didn't know about, um, which is Christopher Guest's latest movie. Yes. I'm a 
huge Christopher Guest fan. Mockumentaries as you know. Oh, I adore them. Yeah. Adore them. Yeah. Best in show, you know. Yeah, oh, great. For your consideration. And he has a lovely droll sense of humour, doesn't he? Actually. Oh, he's he's a genius. Yeah. But he's got a new one that's uh, that's going to flag up at the Toronto Film Festival. Tell us about that. It's yeah, called that's Mascots. Called, it's called Mascots and it's about it's about people who collect mascots, <laughs> which which as you as you'll appreciate is is very much Christopher Guest territory. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He yeah. seems to zone in on people who have like best in weird, show was, weird yeah weird hob- hobbies yeah somewhere. What are the other highlights of Toronto? Okay, the others the others would be Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Ah, yeah. They're in a film called it's a, it's a Hollywood based musical called La La Land. Uh, then there's one called The Journey in which Colomini and Timothy Spall they play Martin McGuinness and Ian Paisley okay right, the word okay. on that is not bad actually okay. and uh, uh, so that then there's a, a boxing picture called Bleed for This uh, Peter Berg's uh, real life disaster um, uh, Deepwater Horizon now there's one that several Irish uh, has several Irish actors called Trespass Against this it's the new Michael Fassbender uh, picture mm-hmm. and, and, and Brendan Gleeson is one of the people in it mm-hmm. I think it might be about members of the travelling community actually setting up somewhere in Yorkshire and getting into trouble oh really and there's more Irish interest as well because the secret scriptures, Jim Sheridan's. Secret scripture, and the the problem with secret scripture was that um, it's it's um, American distributor is a company called Relativity Relativity Media, mm. and uh, they it was held up the release of it was held up maybe eighteen months two years because they went into bankruptcy. So, and it's I know finally I, coming out. I know some people who are involved in that project. I know. Uh, Brian Byrne who's the uh, a Navin born composer who's now oh, based yes. in LA and he's yeah. written the score Brian was nominated for a Grammy a couple of years ago for um, a song that he wrote for Albert Nobbs was oh, that yes. the Glenn yeah, Close I remember movie? it yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian composed the Sinead O'Connor song that was nominated for a Grammy from that and Brian's done the score from that I know it's been on the boil for I mean it took a long time to get it into production and then it was delayed again now with the release so there's a lot of anticipation about it yeah yeah. Any word about it yet, Philip? Well, no. I mean, I was. Uh, I I thought uh, they, they were doing a tribute to uh, Jim Sheridan at the <coughs> Galway Film Flower recently, and mm-hmm. I thought it might have gotten in there, but yeah. it didn't. They didn't have the the bankruptcy elements kind oh, of sorted dear. out. Uh, so, but hopefully, we'll see it very soon. So. Now, what are you going to be talking about on the picture show? On the picture show, uh, Stanley Kubrick's 18th century epic Barry Lyndon, mm-hmm. which was partly made in this country, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And it's been restored and reissued by the British Film Institute. And we'll be joined by Kubrick's biographer, John Baxter, mm. uh, to discuss the variety of controversies, controversies that kind of surrounded it while it was being made. Mm. And the, the final controversy was that someone from the special branch is supposed to have contacted the production and told them that uh, Kubrick was under threat from the IRA. Mm. And uh, Kubrick uh, was very, a very nervous person. So he fled. Um, <laughs> uh, he fled on the the ferry from. from he ran like a scalded fr- cat. Yeah, he, fr- he fled on the on the, on the ferry from Dublin to wherever Hollyhead or wherever <laughs> it was, and uh, just got out. But he was a weird guy, seriously yeah. weird, an absolute genius as well. But oh, yeah. seri- seriously weird. So we have uh, John Baxter, who really knows this guy inside out, and he's. Uh, he, he, he talks about all the controversies that have surrounded the film and, of course, the wildly eccentric director. And the other one that, that, that is out is, um, you probably saw recently uh, where uh, Ken Loach won the Palm d'Or at this year's Cannes Film That's Festival. Right. Okay. And he's 80 now and he's been in, he's been making movies for about 50 years. And his fir- very first movie was a film called Poor Cow. Don't remember it. 
poor cow um, uh, Terrence Stamp was in it and uh, that, that was his very first movie and it was written by it's a, a, a woman called Nell Don mm-hmm. and uh, Poor Cow has now been reissued on DVD and Blu-ray and we have uh, Nell Don on the picture show this week to talk about and my Ken Loach story for you is that uh, I did audition for him once when they shake the barley Oh, did you? Yeah, and it was one of the, not bizarrest, but one of the most different auditions I've ever done because you went into the room and you met the man himself and you knew you were in the presence of something yeah. great. Magnetically. Never once once mentioned acting or the script, nothing. He wanted to know about you, your background, what jobs had you done before, where were you, where'd you grow up, tell me about your parents, da 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 and it was like it was almost like a job interview mixed in with a profile interview. There was no mention of have a little read of that for me. Let me hear you read this. Can you yes. do an English, an Irish, a Welsh, whatever accents? Mm. Strange experience. Didn't get the part. Oh. Yeah. I didn't dazzle him, Philip. 